is I don't care how they dress. Get them in there. Get them in there and get let God get a chance to get them because if they actually coming in for real and God getting them for real, they're gonna change anyway. Hello. Get off so my I don't, Like I don't care about what you coming in with. Just get them in. I don't care what you smell like. Get in. Then do the changing in and do that. But y'all's in here caring about titles and everything, and that's bringing in so many unwanted and un and unclean stuff that's messing up the whole spirit of the church and you don't even realize it because you sitting here focusing on stuff that don't even matter hello hello that's something that needs to be done in 2024 for sure i agree i think we have majored in the minor and i take heat for it uh, i like to say i'm like the Allen iverson of the church, like you know, <laughs> I get, I get beat up for the stuff that the next gen- Yeah, the next generation is they getting applauded for. I'm like, I took the L first. Though. I don't. I mean, I was, I was the first one wearing a with a with a church and a hoodie on. Right, with a, with a hoodie. Suit and a hoodie I was on. one who was working out and sewing the nipples out every nigga though. <laughs> What's up? I'm super pumped. Just got done with another workout. It's your boy, CMK33, connect me on Instagram. And on the business page, CMK underscore global. You know how I get through it. You know how I get that pump look. <laughs> Best pre-workout on the market. www.cmkglobal.store. Y'all, welcome back to the CVMK show because it is what it is. I am your host, Mr. CVMK himself, CVMK33. For them that know, they know. On the gram, look, connect with us. I want you to do this. I want you to share. Don't be selfish. This is the best podcast on God Green Planet because we got the best podcast guests and the best podcast hosts. YouTube, four letters, one word, CVMK, Instagram, it is what it is, underscore show, CVMK underscore global, CVMK33, and where the best supplements are, www.cvmkglobal.store. Look, we have an amazing episode, and I do mean amazing. We're coming to the end, right? End of 2023. We're in the holiday stretch. And I just want to put out some things that you can feast on before we get into the new year. There's a couple. I I, I know we did the best singers, male singers, top 10. We're going to do the best women singers, top 10. But this has to be addressed. There's three topics I want to cover today. And I couldn't think of anybody else who was better than Steve-O speaks himself, Mr. Steve Simmons. So we're going to talk about Ja. We're going to talk about was Cam Newton correct between game managers and dynamic quarterbacks? And we're going to talk about church in 2024. Stay tuned. This is the CVMK show. Steve, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing pretty good. I can't complain. I like to hear that, man. Look, well, first of all, Merry Christmas to you. Happy holidays. For sure. To you as well. Well, I appreciate that. We are in the final stretch, right? I feel like my credit card can't take any more. Emma Holland. 
I know. Stop. Deferment. Payment plan. Please. I can pay you three dollars <laughs> every other month. Every other month. <laughs> every other month. Um, what can I get? No, he's like, what can I get for one rib? He's like, <laughs> <laughs> No, one one rib, rib. not a not, <laughs> not a slab. One rib, one rib, and I, you know, I think the thing about the holidays, man. Everybody, I think it's a self inventory that people do. You know, you get your vision board. You know, your New Year's resolution, your goals, your twenty one day fasting. You know, we're about to hit all that, right? All these promises to self to be a better you. And I've been thinking, there's some things we got to discuss before 2023 years, before I even think about becoming a better me. So, the first topic, Ja Moran. Ja, 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 Ja Moran, number 12, was on fire last night. I watched the game. I, I knew he was going to cook, but I, I literally, I was like, look, I'm going to watch the game, put the phone down. I watched this man single-handedly win this game against the Pelicans. And they were down. They were not going. They were not up. Start of the fourth. I saw him hit the game-winning bucket. I saw him take his defender. I saw him more energetic and more in shape uh, than Zion and B.I., for that matter. And this is his first game back. He hasn't played any professional b-ball. What in eight months? Yeah, eight months. <laughs> eight months, and he's back like this, which makes me scratch my head. Is it Jaws World? And like, has the has the rain, or or are we still, you know, because we still got LeBron and you know KD and Steph. But is it is it too early to say the NBA is Jaws? Yeah, there's too many people ahead of him still. Um, He's a top ten player for sure. Like that's one thing we already know. But um, yeah, it's 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 and it's especially now, like especially I mean, we can even talk in the point guard position. Like SGA and Tyrese Halliburton has jumped in front of you, unfortunately, and yeah. it just just strictly on because of you you not being there. Now, talent wise, you know, you probably a top three guard in the league. So um, it's time for you to take your mantle back, take your place back into that, and which I think he does. And you can see last night how him just coming back to this team, it's looked like the old team, and him going is so much different. A lot of people were saying, oh, well, he's gone, they're a better team. No, they're not. That's ridiculous. He's clearly not. And I almost feel like this time off has almost helped them into some degrees because now – Devin Bain, I'm Devin Bain, Desmond Bain, and um, J- uh, JJ, both of them have been very aggressive when it comes to the, the offensive side of the ball. They're scoring, they ain't thinking twice about it, and you seen that last night. They're so used to going to get that bucket, so when Ja gave them the ball, they attacked. They didn't always defer to Ja, which is something they always used to do. So now that they, he's been gone, now their team probably becomes even more deadlier because – no matter what Ja does, when he takes that first move to go towards that paint, you got to respect it because he's so fast. Nobody on his – I don't care who you are on in his league from Kawhi Leonard <laughs> to Giannis, you're not guarding that man one-on-one. You're just not. So, 
whenever he moves, he's going to take majority of the attention, and that's going to leave other people open, which is going to make them way more of a threat on the offensive side of the ball. No, I totally, I totally agree with you. I think um, everything you said has been true and accurate. Um, there has been improvements. Desmond Bain has improved. Uh, Triple J has improved. Uh, it seems like the team, even though they've lost depth, with job back, it seems like in a weird way it helped them, right? Yeah. And um, just to add, Marcy Smart nor Derek played last night. Right. That, those two were the missing pieces. If they had that defensively, they even it would have been even a step above, right? Mm-hmm. I think with the playoffs rearing his head in four months, <laughs> the Memphis Grizzlies are primed to not make it to the finals, but dethrone somebody. You know, like there's a team that can knock you out. You know, like they have, they just have that. I can knock you out. Don't they still don't have enough to to spur uh, a championship? But let's say they catch the Suns early in the playoffs, right? Or they catch Golden State early, right? Sacramento, man, potentially the Lakers. Lakers don't make the trades. They catch them early, and you know, first round, second round, and all of a sudden, mm-hmm. boop. I even would say this. If it wasn't for the fact that Nicola is just way better than Triple J, Denver would be in trouble if they had to go first round straight out the gate with now the saving grace you got Jamal Murray and MB, like MBJ. They have pieces over there that can ward off all that. But are we looking at when I when I see when I see the Memphis Grizzlies, I see the two thousand and one Sacramento Kings. I mean, it's possible, but they still gotta get to the because I don't think they're gonna make the playoffs off rip. I think they gotta um get into the tournament to win the uh, the end season tournament. Probably get ninth or ten seed. That's probably their best bet. But. Yeah, I feel like once they get there, and then that's when that threat of them beating any team early is definitely possible. We guess they could be very much so like that Sacramento team. But uh, yeah, like you said, when it comes to it, they still got um, some of their key big men out. Uh, you know, like you said, Stephen Adams out for the rest of the season. Um, the backup power forward. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name. The guy with the uh, golden locks oh, towards yeah. Achilles. Yeah. yeah. He tore his Achilles last year, and he's probably still probably not going. He might not even come back this year. Who knows? So um, he probably he was a big key there. So um, yeah, I think it, like you you could get into um, they could get into the playoffs and make some noise if they get through the uh, tournament. But yeah, it, it's a it, it's a lot of it's too many good teams in the West. So um, I don't know how it was gonna, it's going to shake. Yeah, I think I think. Ja and um, the Grizzlies um, have enough pieces to move some mountains. I don't think they can beat a, a veteran team like the Nuggets. I don't think they can beat um, the Lakers because you, they lack maturity. And one thing about it, LeBron is going to play 
towards your weakness, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mentally, like, you don't want to go. And if Anthony Davis shows up, you know, and like Anthony Davis. Raps. It, it is a rap. Like, literally. It's raps, dude, yeah. The end season stuff, that 40 and 20, 80. It's raps. I don't care who you are. Right. The, I don't. Look, and this is why, and I'll say this again. The Bulls have to acquire Zach Levine. I mean, I don't, Lakers. Oh, the Bulls. Yeah, yeah, my bad. Lakers from the Bulls. I mean, from the Bulls. Like, yeah, and then as per of the reports I'm seeing as of today, is is swinging towards the Lakers way again. Yeah, it's time for the Lakers to get Zach. Here's why: you don't have a legitimate third option. You have a two. 2, 2.2, 2.4, 2.6, 2.8, right? You have good pieces, but you don't have a great matter of fact, you don't really have a no, let me not say that. If, Le- see it. if LeBron had Zach, a true mantle to pass down, he's young. Er, he er. young. Yeah, he's not young, he's younger. Right, he has the build. To me, he has the Hollywood charisma. Right, uh, he's a West Coast guy. Right, he's from Seattle. Isn't he born and raised in Seattle? Mm-hmm. In L.A., Zach Levine becomes Will Smith. He ain't that car. car. He ain't that car. Uh, he, 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 I was like, I won't say he got the charisma. I can't say the word. The, uh, charisma, charisma, yeah. yeah. He doesn't like he, he does have like the the vibe of a West Coast per, person, but I don't know if he like you ain't gonna see him like doing a movie or nothing like great or nothing like that. Like you ain't gonna see him doing like you probably see him doing way more. Like he'll probably get way more endorsements, like commercials and stuff like that, which he's already getting. But like he ain't gonna get nothing crazy. Like he, I don't think like you're gonna get that full brace of L.A. Out of like, out of yeah, because he he a West Coast kid. He he, I mean, he go there every summer. He lives there in the summer. Yeah. So um, yeah, but yeah, I if it's more um, especially if they use him how he's meant to be used. Like I I still feel like even with the team that we do have, if we decide to keep him and go away from Demar, it could work because that way it's the pace is faster and we don't everybody, people's like well we, he can't play make i don't need him to play make if kobe play making i'll just need him to catch and shoot which is his one of his greatest qualities that we don't use and verbatim he's going to do that as a laker he's not going to do nothing very much he's not going to be ball handling he's not oh no 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 he's not and, gonna and he, he shouldn't i mean in some certain cases if he hot yeah give him the ball but Coming off screens, coming off actions, catching and shooting, that's where you're going to get your best Zach Levine. And yeah, and and we all know Zach Levine when it comes to IQ was not the greatest IQ player. So I need him next to somebody of IQ caliber if it's LeBron. So if you're gonna get the best LeBron uh, Zach out of Zach, maybe LeBron is the guy to get it out of him. I think LeBron can bring out the best Zach and the best Zach. Is what you seen about two years ago? <laughs> no, uh, no, I don't think that's the best Zach. I said this: Zach Levine with the right culture, with the right coach, the right mentor. We're looking at a young Kobe. 
Let me explain mm-hmm. why he's a Kobe. And mm-hmm. let me explain why Zach Levine is a Kobe. I got a timestamp that Zach Levine is the next Kobe and not, not a Eddie Jones. It's too and the, late. It's not. See, it's too late because you think this is why I think so. Zach Levine has never really been given the reins. The latitude. I, 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 I agree with that. The latitude to be. He's never been placed in a system where it was meaningful basketball. He does not and has never had a player more athletic than him on the team. If he comes to L.A., he gets all three. It will force him to listen, right? Because this is now the third stop, right? And if it don't work here, you'll be in Taiwan and the Taiwan Bears. Uh, he ain't never going to be in no Taiwan. <laughs> no, because <laughs> they're like everybody in Taiwan. I'm like, well, uh, who, who is it in Taiwan? So, <laughs> you know, averaging 80, 90, and 40, you know, you don't want <laughs> – you don't want to be the guy in Taiwan. Like you want to be in the NBA. He needs um he needs to be around the professionalism and the mentorship of Zach Levine. He needs to be around a coaching staff that actually understands championship pedigree organization that gets it. And he needs to not be the most bounciest player in the league because it takes away all his strengths. Right? The problem yeah. with the Bulls is that Kobe White can't check Zach. Io had a triple zero in one of those games a couple weeks ago. Like you, you there's outside of Demar Derozan and Demar. Demar is a nice guy. The more I listen, the more I study Demar. I'm like, he's just a good guy, good dad, mm-hmm. good just all around guy. So they're not. He's not gonna be like Zach. You you messing up. You gonna get traded. Like he's not gonna say that to him. Whereas LeBron would be like, I'll trade you. Right, <laughs> but I think the difference, like he, he, I won't compare him to Kobe because Kobe was a student of the game. Like at this point in his career, he's finna be thirty. Yeah. The fact that you don't know how to get to your spots—that's what's just. I know you're not gonna be a Kobe because you're just not thinking the game. You, he, to, up to this point, he's been relying on his athleticism. That's true, and which is cool, but. And like you said, now you're starting you you wasn't really super injury prone, but now those injuries are starting to catch up. Now you're starting to be a little bit more injury prone than you was in the past. So to me, like it, it's a little too late. Like, don't get me wrong, he can improve his game. Like, like I felt because over the past few seasons, he wasn't able to work on his game due to injury. So I thought, okay, now the last year was like the first time he would have had time off and really worked on his game. He could have worked on his game. I'm like, okay, now I'm going to see if he's going to take that jump. His handle hasn't improved. His IQ hasn't improved. His situational basketball hasn't improved. Him learning his spots hasn't improved. And I think we already see who the young Kobe is in this league already, and that's D-Book. He literally plays just like him. Yeah, it does. I, I like and that's just because he, as at a young age, and he's young, he's still younger than uh, Zach. He understands when to wear, when to take my shot, when spots. I'm gonna do this to make you do that. Like Zach, don't play like that. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Look, when we return, we're gonna discuss was Cam correct? Cam made some statements, and I love Cam, dude. I love 
his podcast, his show. Uh, I would love to be a guest on it or him on here. Uh, but was he correct in his assessments of game managers? After this quick break, there's a hero in all of us waiting to be unleashed. All it takes is just that one last push. Activate the hero within with CBMK Global Supplements. All natural, steroid free, designed to enhance performance, build muscle, and increase energy. You are unstoppable. You can do this. Become your own hero at www.cbmkglobal.store. I'll get your pre-workouts, your proteins, your BCAAs, your creatines, all the good stuff from www.cbmkglobal.store. Use the code JINGLE all the way for 35% off. You want to get those great deals at the end of the year? Jingle all the way. Sale ends December 30th, 35% off. Okay, so Cam Newton made a statement calling a few quarterbacks game managers. Called out Tua, called out Dak, called out a few. But he did not call out Lamar or Patty, said they're actually game changers. They're dynamic, right? Was Cam Newton correct in his assessment of who is a game manager? Yeah, for the most part, I I would agree with him. And he said uh, the, the examples he used was Jared Goff, yep. Tua Tonga, Bailoa. Yep. Um, and those two you just named. Yep. And... I think um, what most people, like I told you off air, most people got up in arms is the Dak, and it's just because they seen him throw for four thousand yards. I'm like, okay, he could be a four thousand yard game manager. I don't know why y'all acting like just because you go past a certain amount of yards that don't that change the what style of quarterback you are. Yes. But um, by definition, how he explained it is, I'm out by game manager. I'm asking you not for you to lose this game. Basically, I'm asking you to go out there and manage the game and don't turn the ball over. Versus a game changer, a game changer is going to go out there and be a difference maker and take risks in order to win the game, which we see a lot with Patrick Mahomes, the Lamar Jacksons. He mentioned also uh, wide receivers and running backs. like Because the whole conversation really was centered around who's your MVP right now. Right. That's what started it. And he said – from uh, if I was picking a game manager, I'm picking um Jared Goff because he felt like he was the, for the way he manages his game out of the quarterbacks that are game manager, he's the most important to his team, which I understood what he was saying by that. Yeah. But um, he said if he had to just pick like game changer for MVP, he picking Christian McCaffrey, and I think the difference between what the thing is, he was like. Dak, I would say, is a game a, a game manager because they're asking him not to do too much, and I would agree. When you look at Dak and you see the best times Dak is being the best version of himself, he's sitting there being methodical, not turning the ball over, making the right throws at the right time, and scoring the ball and letting your playmakers make plays. You got Tony Pollard. You got that. T- I can't forget the dude with the locks, uh, not CD, but you got CD as well. But the other dude with the locks that's fast in the mug, like you got the weapons all over the field. Use your weapons 
and win the game, don't turn the ball over because we know with Dak tends to try to win games with his arm and be big play Dak, he tends to have two to three turnover games. And that's and that's what he shows you that he's not really a difference maker. He's more of a game manager. So I would say he was pretty spot on with what he was saying. Here, the, my problem with, first of all, Dak, uh, Cam Newton, first of all, has all the credibility in the world. You're talking about a formerly um, NFL MVP. Uh, you're talking about a Heisman Candidate, right? He didn't win. Heisman candidate, a right. national championship national winner. Championship, right. You're talking about somebody who has stats. Uh, you're talking about a man who took a very poverty stricken franchise. I'm going to say I was saying for you. I see it in your spirit. You're trying to be nice. <laughs> no, say what it was. It took them all the way to the Super Bowl. And I don't care what you say. No other quarterback in any era could have done it with that, with that, was um, in the pocket passer, right? And no lineman. I mean, his best player was Greg Olson, and he's old, right? So I mean, it's it's what Cam has accomplished. It still should be in the NFL, and still should be. And I'll say, <laughs> if, if, if <sighs> there are quarterbacks who are have started, I, I, I'm gonna just be like. I was never the biggest Cam fan, and it wasn't really because I didn't like the way he played. It was it was based on his whole career as him. He was completely just depending on full potential and his raw athleticism, and he never really worked on his athleticism, his arm strength. I mean, his arm accuracy. And I was like, eventually, one day, you're not gonna be able to run, dog, and your accuracy is not as good as what you think it is. You know, and you're going to have to work with it. I, I think the, the Cam legacy, I think that's part of it. I think the other thing is Cam's not a. Uh, what you would list yes, as a prototypical quarterback. quarterback. Right. He doesn't fit the NFL yeah, criteria. criteria. Cam yeah. is outspoken. Cam is flamboyant at times. Cam boisterous. Boisterous. He's going to speak his mind. Uh, I remember when he got into it with uh, Kevin Benjamin, uh, Kelsey Benjamin, right? Calvin. Calvin Benjamin, yeah. It was, it was, I remember it, it, it was weird yeah. because his name was with a K. Was right. Calvin. And then man got like traded. Like, it's just Cam is going to be Cam. And for the NFL, which is a super conservative, uh, like in the, in the NBA, he'd be perfect. He'd be a superstar. Perfect, yeah. Um, but in the NFL, he, and no. that position, yeah, that that's position. no, no, right? That's that's no, no, unless you, Tom Brady, Tom, and not even well, Tom's not, but Tom, Fisk no, but because I'm telling you, every time you can compare it from, because to me, I, I put it like this: you got because I can always compare them because you got your Tom Brady's, right, and then you guys like your Philip Rivers. Tom Brady is the type of quarterback where he wears emotions on his sleeve. Right. If he's pumped, you're going to see it. If he's mad, he might throw it. a little temper tantrum. He might oh. throw a tablet. He might yeah. cuss out his coach or his teammates. Right. But the difference between that versus if you see, like you just said, you seen Patrick Mahomes go do it and everybody was in that mode. He's crying. He needs to stop crying. He's crying. Right. Da, 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 da. But when his time is fiery, look at the passion on his face. He did it. But then, and then I, you got like, your Philip Rivers, 
who I would kind of compare to like a Cam Newton. The reason I do, because Cam Newton, Phillip Rivers will talk trash to you in the holy, in the most holiest way, but he would talk trash to you the whole game, the whole game. And he would do little things, little, little stuff. But let somebody like Cam sit there and dance in your face and talk trash too. Oh, I don't know if he's good for this. I don't know if that's what a leader does. I don't know if that's what you like. When it comes to that, like, bro, like, he already don't fit, like you said, he already don't fit the prototypical mode. He already don't fit the normal stance of what a a normal human being will look like or dress like. He already is outspoken. It's just like he falls for everything those people don't like. And that's the only thing it comes to about it. Because right. other people of other races of quarterbacks love the exact same thing, but their labels change. Which goes to my point. Cam would still be in the NFL if he looked different. And that's just the truth of the matter. I think Cam Newton is a Hall of Famer. I think Cam Newton should be in the NFL. I think we have seen quarterbacks that can't manage, can't win, uh, get, you know, opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. I'm seeing now new quarterbacks with, you know, agents that look like, you know, I don't, I don't even know, like t- the DeVitos of the world and no shot to him, but it's like, you know, okay. Who's the only, you know, the only get back I got, it's just because with him, you know, it's just, be, it's, and it's not even a disservice to him, but it kind of is. I just don't feel like he worked on his art, art his, he, at a certain point of his career, when he first started to get hurt a little bit sure. too much, sure. he should have realized, I need to sharpen up on my throwing skills because that's what's going to keep me in the league. And I just don't think he didn't. And then I also felt like the teams did him a disservice because they was running him entirely too much. Like, I understand the man was 6'5", 250, yeah. but I, my quarterback is 6'3", 230, and I hate when they call QB draws. You know why? Because that's the more you're going, that's the most the highest percentage chance of you getting smoked by a D tackle or a linebacker. Versus if you bust them out to the left, you're probably going to tackle by a DB, which is more manageable. Here, here, here's why I think Cam didn't. I'm gonna give Cam the benefit of a doubt without knowing Cam. He didn't have the talent to do that. He didn't have the line to do that. And well, you, I'll give you that, though. When you are super athletic, I mean, the most athletic quarterback ever, you know, from a, from everything, not speed. I mean, Vic was super fast, but not, like, super, like, imposing, right? I mean, he won't be a yeah. yeah. It's hard not to go to default and be like, you know what? I'm going to just run this thing in myself, <laughs> you know? So I mean, yeah. You know, and I think Cam sacrificed years out of frustration and this is why coaching matters. Um, if you put, if you, great example, Tony Romo. If Tony Romo is not a cowboy and Tony Romo is the quarterback for the Detroit Lions, garbage. Right, right. So your situation matters. Not that he wasn't, but the, the environment, what comes with it. And I think Cam was in an organization. That was going just through a lot, and it's still going through a lot. They had, I, a I, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I agree with that. I just think the only thing with me is like, like it's just too many. Well, not at the time it wasn't, but it's too yeah. many examples. Like 
Josh Allen's example, like, yeah. There's times where he get, he gets into a thing like, why are you trying to strip away what I'm good at? If I'm going to run, I'm going to take it. And even to some degree with Justin. But I think to the reason why a lot of Bears fans don't want Justin to go versus somebody like Cam in, in situations because, like you said, you don't think he had the talent? I disagree. I think very much well Cam had it because Cam had a cannon. Yeah, it just he it just he would just sell it over your head fifteen yards. He could, like, and that was the issue. Like versus Justin got the same type of cannon, but he could drop it in the bucket. Who is he? It was like, bro. Sometimes, it, it, and it was the same thing. He was like, sometimes when I see him throw throw it long, it reminded me of Jay Cutler. Because Jay Cutler had an arm, but he just didn't have touch when it comes to a deep ball or certain balls or t- anticipating certain throws. But that's the co- that's a coaching thing. That's when you get it. That's a coaching thing, but it, it's also something you're not taking time to sharpen. Because, for example, Jalen Hurts, we yeah. we literally seen him work on that. Because he went from not making any those type of th- like you didn't know if he can make those throws on a consistent basis to right. that Super Bowl run he was making every single throw out there. It, there's a commitment, but he also has an organization that. But yeah, I ain't going to disagree with you with that. Yeah. that. The Carolina didn't do a, a, disser- a good disservice for him. Right. He was, they did a disservice. They did a man. disservice. I mean, was, he was playing in the ghetto, and he did what he did with ghetto people. He did not ghetto people, but he did ghetto things because he was in the ghetto, right? So, he did ghetto things with his ghetto friends. Exactly. Because he was playing <laughs> in the hood. Look, when we, when we come back, I want to cover um, Church in 2024. Uh oh. We're going to a new year. And I'm going to create room for this. I don't care if this segment goes 30 minutes. I just watched Shannon and Kirk talk two hours. This can have his time after a quick break from our sponsors. I literally just tried the best pre-workout on the planet. With Superpower pre-workout, you have increased focus and a power boost every single time you work out. It's not only packed with 225 milligrams of caffeine, but it also has citrulline and creatine. It's insane how much energy and focus I had during my workouts. If you're ready to take your workouts to the next level, then ditch your current pre-workout and get the Superpower pre-workout to be your own hero. Y'all go to www.cvmkglobal.store. Get the supplements, y'all. I'm telling you, the whey protein superpower. Use code Jingle all the way, 35% off. www.cvmkglobal.store. All right, so I watched a podcast today. I'm at work doing what I do. And I'm like, all right, looking at the podcast. You know, I'm a big fan of Club Shay Shay. I've been seeing the clips on the ground of Kirk Franklin being on there. So I'm like, you know, man, you know, man, you know, man, I want to listen to, I want to listen to Kirk and his studio voice, man. You know, I want to listen to Kirk and, and, and Shannon. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I want to listen to Kirk and Shannon talk and whatever they were going to talk about. They could have talked about, they could have talked about clowns while I get, I just want to listen. I'm a, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of both. I think Shannon Sharp is the greatest tight end to ever play the game as I drop my pen. And I think Kirk Franklin is the greatest gospel composer the world has ever seen. I think he's a legend. I think when it comes to icons, Kirk Franklin is an icon. Not just in the gospel music industry, but in music as a whole. Kirk is an icon. 
With that being said, they talked about some things that the quote-unquote black church, I don't know why it always comes down to that, as if the only transgressors are in the black church, uh, has to improve upon. Kirk mentioned that there has to be a deconstruction of a lot of colonialized thinking. And he said when he first got into like the music industry, it was kind of no, he was afraid to interact with quote unquote worldly people because, you know, nobody was doing that in the gospel music industry. And he said that type of thinking kept him away from opportunities. He's like, considering that the only difference between us and them is that we wear a mask, right? That was a direct quote. He's, he brought up this opportunity. He said, Prince at an award show came to him. Prince, the artist, he says, I want to work with you. Gave him his number and everything. And Kirk turned it down because of what he thought people would say. First of all, Prince, it was a line of advice me to Paisley Park. April and I, we're both coming. I can't, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not even a musician, but I'm, I'm going to Paisley Park. <laughs> like, you know, we're talking about Prince. And because he was afraid of what people would say. So before we start, and we're not going to name names, I think the church is absolutely needed. It is the bride of Christ. It is a holy entity mm-hmm. that is really us. We compose and make up this thing called the church. It's not a organization. Physical place, right? right? It's not a you know. It's not a brand. It's a people. It's a people. He died for people. Died for the world. But the institution can be sometimes difficult. So we're going to 2024. <laughs> what must change in church? And I'll start with you, Steve. One for one. <laughs> I feel like the, especially the older crowd, kind of they, they they care about the stuff. I don't even say the older crowd because it's something older. It's just the whole transition and the stuff that they try to broadcast mm-hmm. as the stuff that they care about or shun the most be the most irrelevant things, and then the stuff they allow in the church that they're not talking about it really be the main issue that they're not bringing, like. For example, like you will see a, a group of churches, like you might see a, a body get on a member or some people for coming in and not dressing a certain way. Yeah. And they'll harp on that for the longest instead of, but at the same time, you got a, a such a hierarchy in your church that it's so many eagles running through the through that mug. You got so many things out of order in Iraq that y'all not even order or to begin with to even make that type of judgment anyway. Because the main thing I say is I don't care how they dress. Get them in there. Get them in there and get let God get a chance to get them because. If they actually coming in for real and God getting them for real, they're going to change anyway. Hello. Get off so my I don't, Like, I don't care about what you coming in with. Just get them in. I don't care what you smell like. Get in. Then do the changing in. 
and do that. But y'all's in here caring about titles and everything, and that's bringing in so many unwanted and un and unclean stuff that's messing up the whole spirit of the church, and you don't even realize it because you sitting here focusing on stuff that don't even matter. Hello. Hello. That's something that needs to be done in 2024 for sure. I agree. I think we have majored in the minor, and I take heat for it. Uh, I like to say I'm like the Allen Iverson of the church. Like you know, <laughs> I get I get beat up for the stuff that the next the gen- Yeah, the next generation is they getting applauded for. I'm like, I took the L first though. <laughs> I mean I was, I, I was the first one wearing a t- with a with a church and a hoodie on. Right with a, with a hoodie. With a hoodie I was on. One who was working out so the nipples not every nigga though. <laughs> I was the first one that came to <laughs> came to Bible study with a tank top on. Right. Who was doing that? <laughs> so, but, 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 oh, hey, but as I get through this, um, I don't like, like, obviously, we're not stupid. We're, we would never wear, or I would never wear anything that is offensive, right? Or right. that is naked, right? Like, I would never right. try to be create a stumbling block or something that's unprofessional. Just like I wouldn't wear my workout clothes. <clears throat> to work, wouldn't wear certain stuff to church. Now, if you see me in the gym, you see me in church. Trust me, that's two different modes. You're not, <laughs> you're not gonna, you know, it's it's a different, it's a different look. But I do think, like, I hate when people tell me stuff like dress like an elder. Like, what the heck does it mean? Like? What does it, what does right. it even dress like? Like, I don't want to. I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't want a whole closet full of men's warehouse or kanji. You know, like I, if that's what an elder look like, I'm gonna stick. With the t-shirt. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not. I'm too. I'm too young to be dressing up like I'm 62. Hello. Like I'm. I. I want to be okay when I'm 70 years old and I'm waking up to put slacks on. Then I do that. I'm not putting no doggo slacks on unless. Like, don't get me wrong. Now, you know what us being cozy boys. You know, first Sundays. You know. You know what to wear. Yeah, yeah. You know, certain Sundays. You know what to wear, but yeah. like. If it's a regular Sunday, we ain't, we ain't wearing the robes or stuff like that. We ain't wearing nothing like ain't, it's not black and white. We ain't wearing all white. Bro, I'm wearing what I want. If it's a t-shirt and a hoodie, whatever, I'm wearing it. I'm wearing I'm it. I'm here. Right. I'm here. Like that's that's what you should be caring about. I'm here. <laughs> With the Prince emblem on my teeth. <laughs> bro, I came in this mug. Like, bro, I came. <laughs> I carry the shirt. I I'm not saying I came on with a kiss t-shirt. Didn't yeah. care. It's a kiss t-shirt. It's a shirt. It's a shirt. Don't worry about the I came to shirt. I came to church with a venom shirt on. Yeah. It's a it's a cartoon. We ain't even real. Like I, I'm not sitting here trying to promote that like venom in front of like bro. I don't care. Like I'm just putting something on so I go to church. No, that's real. I, I man, look. Church attire, I think is the hardest because, and I think you mentioned it. I don't think we do it for God. I think we yeah. do. It, I think we for, do it for clout, for a look, for a look, and it's an it's an elitism with it. It's, yeah. it's it's pure clout and it's pure an elitist mode. Because think about it, man. The shirts that we might wear cost ten, twenty dollars, maybe ten dollars. Outfit, the pants might be fifteen, twenty dollars. 
minus the shoes. And if you're like me, I don't care. I'll wear some $30 shoes in a minute. I wear all brand stuff. The whole get up is I'm less than $200. I'm telling you, the most church suits cost, especially if you get them tailored. Right, you get them tailored, and you know all the no, and and and. So what? What message is it? Is it sending the message that I'm sanctified, or is it sending the message that I'm better than you? And I think it's, personally, it's, no, it's I think it's deeper than that. You know what I really think is because I picked it up as I was young. I think one of the one of the main biggest problems of the church is they rather look like it than really be it. Message. Like and 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 I don't care what nobody says, I don't care what state you live in, go notice and go look around your most well put together church when it comes to attire. Everybody fit to the nine, everybody fit wearing the right stuff, it looks good, they got the cameras all right, did it all night. And then you get there, and then you get around, and then all you hear about all the whispers there. You hear about all the drama there. You hear about all that. But you see that little church on the corner, you just see them coming in. Some people got suits on. Some of them look like somebody just played the drum. Some people just look like they came off the street. Right. And they sitting there on the floor in the spirit because they ain't thinking about nothing else. Hello. The main people that be well put together being the main people they ain't living for real. Right. Y'all don't want y'all want to look like the lifestyle, but y'all don't want to live the lifestyle for real. Right. So like and, it don't and, matter what it look like. And the lifestyle is a lifestyle of service. Not just mm-hmm. character. Character is oh, one thing. But it's it's service. I believe in integrity. I believe in sanctification. I believe in holiness. Understanding that none of us is perfect, and even in holiness, we will fall. That it is a declaration that Jesus gives us the righteousness of God, right? Uh, propitiation, right? An alien just for those theological students out there, uh, an alien justice, uh, right. an alien justice, right? Right, like it's imputed, it's not ours. But even in my best efforts, I'm gonna fail, and I'm cool with that. That bothers other people, I just say it's part of life, it literally is, <laughs> but. Here's where I think it's the service part they're missing. It's like, are we really focused on impacting them, like servicing them? Not like, oh, well, one day, one day out of a year, you know, we give away, you know, some sandwiches. You know, like I'm talking about like real service. Like if you're not, if, and I said this, the the biggest part of, to me, the, the truth of the Holy Spirit was more than the speaking in tongues. I'm going to get flashed for this, but whatever. Let me write this down. The biggest part of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the endowment in the book of Acts, is that the scripture says that they had all things in common and no man lacked anything. And I'm going to just say this. I really don't think you're a spirit-led or a spirit-driven church if you have extreme gaps Mm-hmm. I'm not saying people don't fall in bad times. I'm saying that if God has blessed you, your tongue talking self should be the first one to undergird this gap. So, you know, somebody's lost a job or not. They shouldn't have to go to the mission uh, department. You are the mission department. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, and I just feel like if you can't do A to B, you know, as we say, like what you're talking about, right? Right, right. Like the gap to me, the canon is so far. That I feel like, I feel like, well, if I if you can't do this, 
I don't I don't come here to cry. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like if I want to go cry, if I want to experience the emotions of human nature, I have a therapist. I'll go get tickets to yeah. Hamilton. You know, I don't need <laughs> <laughs> I don't need I didn't come to church to cry, brother. I or yeah. dance. All right. I, I dance. I don't know it's gonna be I know that's messy. Uh but I can, go, I can go to the club. I'm, I'm, I'm totally, I don't do it, but I'm totally okay with it. Like, you know, right. but there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a gap of community responsiveness and accountability that to me is, is totally just. And, and, I, I, and one of the main things for me is because I just know I'm in a good church and yeah. it's because for one, we just very Bible rooted. So that's one thing. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing I've always been taught. But it's just a certain. It's the certain quality. I never, from from Elder Gill to Pastor Gill now. Sure. I've never in my life had to question was there for were they for real? Their lifestyle every day spoke it. Right. Like there were certain things you just know. Like I I was with my dad and them and my family getting up at. Eight in the morning yeah. on a Saturday just to pray on a corner. Ain't nobody taking no pictures. Ain't nobody recording this to put on um you Facebook. Now sure. we do it from time to time, but like like you said, that that serviceness, he understands at the end of the day, I'm a server. So what he Pat one one of the one things about Pastor that I love so much, he's always looking to find some way to be of service to our community, no matter if they come out or not. Whether he bringing doctors, whether he bring affairs and he does it all the year round. He does at least two to three things a year. And that's just something I've always known. So for me, like I just think that I picked up the discernment so much because of where how where I was brought up in. Like I just go around certain churches and I just be like, No. Yeah, I Yeah, y'all playing. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, I kind of got some people here, but y'all missing the mark. Look, it's just certain things that I know, like, we just did. We didn't care for show. Like, there's, there's, you know how many times Pastor Gill be like, yeah, I'm finna just teach y'all today. This is like, y'all not finish out. This ain't one of those. Like, if, to me, if your past ain't did that to you at least once, you should question that. Yeah. You should honestly question that. There's he's a shepherd, he's a teacher at the end of the day. Sometimes there's gonna be some Sundays where it's a message and just teaching. He's not gonna preach you happy. He's not gonna preach you. Now there is days where you, you are gonna come there, you need a breakthrough, and you might cry, you might run, right. you might dance. Right. But it's this foundation of now that's what I'm coming to church for. That's not what church is for. No. That's literally not what church is for. No, it's to be service and to almost recharge you for the week of it. It's, it's almost like that. Like, that's how I almost look at church. It's like I'm learning everything I need to learn. I'm going to Sunday school. I'm going to that. Are you still going to Sunday school? No. Oh, okay. no, I'm just saying. No, oh, I'm just saying when I did it. No, I did, but like yeah, when yeah, I was yeah. younger, you go to Sunday school. Yeah. So you, you learn everything. You you pass it and preach to you that that day you you learning you building up he teach you how to build your spirit with God and everything so it builds you up for that week of all the hell you about to go up against that's true and you got to prepare 
yourself for what you're gonna do, but you still gotta be of service. You still gotta preach. You st- not necessarily preach, but you still you gotta tell the gospel. You still gotta live for God. You still gotta, even though it's different assignments, each week's for you. But church is not just for. Oh, I need to go here for this specific thing. It's almost just a reset for me. It's almost like a reset. It's like a recharge. Like, all right, you did it. You probably did some stuff you ain't had no business doing. Or you, you probably got out track this week. You might need to go back. But if you go in there, like, I need to dance. I need something. He going to speak to me today. Like, it's not going to happen. It don't work like that all the time. No, and I, and I agree. I um, And I agree with you. Like, I've had great examples, you know, from uh, Bishop Marshall to Pastor Evans. I mean, they lived a life that is reflective of this. Mm-hmm. Here's where... Here's where, so, you know, the, the character, the integrity, the piety that is a prerequisite, um, but, and particularly just an aim um, for anyone that is called to bear the truth of the gospel, but most importantly for all of his children, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the problem is occurring is the pressure to you ever like i think the best way to say it is like organizations that draft certain players knowing that they're not good for the locker room that they're not going to help you win but we're drafting them because we need ticket sales Mm. and sometimes i think that performance particularly now that we live in a social media driven age uh digital performance is so needed that it's creating i won't say a false hope because that'd be like calling somebody a liar Mm -hmm. but i do want to say it's creating a misled generation uh and you know what i mean like that like i don't you know i i'm not i think prophecy is real i Mm -hmm. don't believe that how you prophesy I was going to call you? it the Facebook prophet, but I was going to oh. say, like, I don't I don't believe necessarily in the Facebook status is the word I've been looking for. You know, I, I don't. I'm not saying it's not good. I'm not saying I won't like the status. I'm saying I don't know, right? And that's the sword that, you know, I'll fall on. I don't know. I think sometimes social media allows you to be creative and in creativity you are sometimes not aligned with the flow of God. And I think when you really get aligned with the flow of God, I don't see how you capture that. I think it's an organic capture. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like if he wants it on camera, he's going to get on camera. Right. Right. Like I almost feel like, Like I, I, I know how it's hard to explain because I almost see what you mean with that false sense of like hope. Cause it's like they almost seem like it's almost like they give you a booklet of how to do things. And if you do A, B, C, D, and then it, it will equal to yeah, what you want. And it's like, no, it's not always like that. Like I can follow, let's say you did this prayer, let's say, okay. One of my struggles is I'm, I don't feel like I'm going over a career. 
well, brother, you should pray this. My, my, that's not how it works. Like, I'm not, it's not just, I, I can do it verbatim how you did it, mean right. it just as much as you, but that's not my path. Like, right. you just don't know how God can work in situations. And because social, like, now that it's with everything, you almost questioning everything because for the people that know really how God works, right. yes, he can be that sporadic where he's doing it like okay for example like i put it like this there goes there goes times and seasons where church well church is just hot right. you know what i mean where it's just like he flowing through that mug weekly and he just flowing this month or this year but it's it's from what i've noticed with god like it's not always just Every Sunday at this time, boom, boom. It's not like that. It's just like, okay, he flowing this week, and then he might just seem like he disappeared. Like, God, you was just here. Where you at? Like, you quiet today. Like, it, that's just how he is sometimes. Like, and you would think the way social media got it, like, they, you would think, like, this dude about to show up the same type of way every Sunday, and he not even showing up on the same type of timing because this week you need something else versus what you needed last week. Mm-hmm. And people out here just <laughs> and then like especially with social media I feel like it's almost messing up messages now, like preaching messages now, because you're not preaching what we need to hear. You're preaching a lot about prosperity, a lot Preach about that. money, a lot about Preach success, that. family, like how about you preach? I don't want you to go to hell, dog. Like, there's very few people of these Facebook preachers that you constantly see, and they don't tell you an inch of, okay, how to deal with this temptation, because it's coming, though. Like, how you going to deal, like, it's just like, you, you it's not going to work like that all the time, like. If I constantly come on over there and I see you talking about if you sow this seed, oh, just give me one. I, I, if you really believe, I, you could bring me fifty. But if you could just put one fifty in your hand, oh, the, the line. Oh, you know, I, mean, I don't. Like, I have never caught a line as a preacher. I don't believe in the. And I'll put this on record. I don't believe in a prophetic offering. I don't care. I don't. I'm I don't, sorry. I, I'm sorry. Because if $100 me, can get me out, I'm yeah, $800, It almost takes right. the, the presence off of God being our provider. If he's going to provide, he's going to provide. What you worried about it for? Right, right. Well, so showing, you're showing lack of trust in God. To me, when you do stuff like that, it's just like certain, like you, like I said, you're preaching prosperity and stuff like that. How You preach about these kids losing their mind. How about that? Hello, and they are losing their mind. Here's where I want to. Here's where uh, I think it gets interesting. The ministry needs a social media presence. You can't. You can't run away from it. Yeah, you need it. Yeah, you can't operate without a brand. You can't do anything. I mean, even this is a social media presence. So it'd be hypocritical for us not to say or not to have one. It's part of the game. This it's it's visibility, it's maximum exposure, it's the tools that God has given us. Right. How much is too much? How much isn't enough? Go ahead. Do you think that your ministry, your pastor, should have a 
dominating social media presence or social media presence at all? If it if it's called for it to be that way, explain. I feel like there's like okay, Just, like for example, God knows who and and know exactly who and who he can't give a lot of fortune to. Yeah. So I feel like there's only certain people God knows like, okay, he has the mind, he has whatever I gave him to speak to the people, give out the message that I want to give him. And he's strong enough for where I don't think it's going to, well, he ain't going to think about it, but he's strong enough where I know he's not going to succumb to it in a negative form. Sure. So, yeah, there's somebody out there for, or maybe a couple people out there in the world that's able to have that big, big brand, like big old mega churches and be sincere about it. Right, but majority of them probably not sincere about it because it was never meant for you to be that way. Yeah, he probably gave you a nice fortune, but it wasn't to become this big old mega church. It's probably for you and for you to do other things with it and put his name alongside with it in another situation. Like everything is not meant for you to have a big old platform. Your platform, like. He could be like, yo, preacher down the street, I just want you to record your services. Preacher down the street, I want you to record your services, your messages, and if you go preaching, I know you preach at other churches, you go from town to town, record those too. As long as that, I want you to get assistant because in a couple years, I'm going to put you on a pedestal where you're going to be going on a tour. Sure. Because you're just that person. But the dude down the street, I don't ever want you to go thinking that you could do that because mm -hmm. that's just not your, what you're meant to do. Hmm. So to answer your question, I just it depends on who that person is and depends on what calling it is. If God is meant for him to have that huge social media process, do it. But just realize with whoever you are, even if you are that person, unless you know you call, don't over go, go overboard with it. I like that. Don't go overboard with it because it's, it's really, uh, I think, it's easy to go overboard because I, this is where I think preachers messed up, uh, particularly inspiring pastors and pastors. They say that they acknowledge that they're human, but they never admit struggle. And that might be good or bad. But they also never admit ambition. And I don't care how much faith and how much love you have for Christ. You are not without ambition. The disciples had ambition. ambition. They asked Jesus the night he was crucified, when you get, can I sit on your right hand and on your left? And then everybody started to get mad when they had the last supper. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. ambition, wanting to further oneself in a very carnal aspect is human nature. You can carnal by nature, yeah. You cannot escape it. And I think what happens with ministers, with pastors, with leaders, is that they never admit to that secret voice, whether it's to become a pastor or become a bishop or whatever. I don't know. There's like a, there's like a thousand different titles now. Um, how do I get to the next level? Instead of, God, how do I be the best person in this level? 
Yeah. And if it's not for me to become the next level, don't allow me to ascend to something that I'm not called to. Right. And I think to me, the, the, one of the biggest sins of the pulpit is a not admitting that. Yeah. That false humility, false humility, right? Like the, the, the inability to be aware of your own drivers. Like I have ambition. I, I, don't, I want to be balling. You know, yeah. I don't do this to be funny. I do this because I want to be now. <laughs> but yeah. I, I, I want to. I, I have this. I admit, I want to be the best podcast, one of the best podcast people on the planet. I want to be able to blow Joe Rogan's numbers out the water. I want to be able to yeah. blow Club Shay Shay, uh, the Pivot. I am athlete. I want to be number one. I want when they look at Roku, YouTube, uh, Oprah, Apple. I heart and they say, man, that, that uh Cody Kelly, I need to stop saying that. That Cody Kelly, <laughs> that Cody Kelly, that's even a gay no. That's that's a nice little joke. But I'm honest, and I think the lack of being honest creates tension because your driver is always going to be the hidden motive. Even in the most purest form, it will rear its head. Like for me, when you bring that up to me, it's like, like, and don't quote me on this because sure. I couldn't, I could be completely wrong. But to me, it, it, some, and not just like say the bestest preachers or the bestest past, the the greatest pastors to me. Sure. To me, they don't necessarily. Like this is what they always wanted to be was a pastor, right? Like even I will even dare say most of them don't want to be it, but because they understand what their calling is and because they love God, they love what they do. See, I think that's the difference between those and that because if you if you get to the point where you're like, because don't get me wrong, because like you to like you said, you can get to a point where like even if like you don't do it but you love what you're doing because you love God so much right you could be like okay I see where this is going this is possibly making a profit off of this and such and such yeah. I want to make it bigger in God's glory but in the same mindset carnal things get in the way so in the, you in your thoughts you're like dang I'm making some bread like if I do this right like it, it could really be good for me and you can check yourself and be like hold on this ain't this not even me this is not me I, I need to be what God's saying to me. right it's a little bit more difficult for me to say they don't have the humility because to me, they never did because hmm. you was never meant to be a pastor to begin with. Like, that's just me. Like, I, like I, I said, you. I could be completely wrong, but like, yeah. if you get to the point where you're constantly like, like, cause to me, most people, once they get to that point where they like have to be self-aware, like they're not going to be because that's something they always wanted to do. Only the people that's going to be self-aware are some people that really didn't always like, oh, I'm going to be a preacher. They're self-aware because they know they didn't always want to be this. So where is this coming from? Versus somebody like you just described, you don't, they don't know is they just know there's something they want to do because that's all they know. That's what they wanted to do. Right. Right. So to me, like, and don't get me wrong, there can be some people that want to be pastors and was called to be pastors. Two things can be true. 
Two things but, can be true. We mutually but I feel like yeah, most people <laughs> that really feel that way, like Don't they worry. really can't humble themselves or they really can't self-reflect and be like, that wasn't me. Right. I mean that that, that was, this was God and this is me. They was never supposed to be in that position to begin with. And that's true. I think that most I would say that a lot of, of individuals that are in that position did not want it as a first choice nor a second. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think God allowed it and, and bestowed it upon them because that was his call for them. Mm-hmm. I also think that you balance that out with making sure that whatever you were trying to perform. And what I mean by that, like, it's hard not to become toxic if all of your eggs are in one basket. Yeah. Right. So, like, and all the people around you is toxic as well. Right. So, if you still have your, you know, you're still authoring books or doing real estate, whatever, whatever you're doing, that takes away a lot of your negative kind of grab on it because that part of you is still being serviced. Right. Yeah, you could so now you can you can put things separate, in the separate categories. You can separate yeah. things. Yeah, you can separate things. I think when you say, All right, I'm all in, you know <laughs> That's where the slippery slope gets. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I think that, you know, there isn't uh isn't enough balance in that. One last question and you know, I appreciate it. This one probably the longest episode we've done. Well, you know, I gotta if, if club station them gonna do two and a half hours, I gotta do at least an hour. At least an hour. These dudes doing two and a half. I'm like, you know, they got some music. <laughs> right. Hey, Kirk asked this dude, have you heard Take Me to the King? This man said no. I said That's terrible. Uh, terrible, Kenny. So it's all good though. It's all good. So um before we go, last question on this if you grow can you grow too big in ministry can you grow see if you walked in right now and Philadelphia gained a million Members and one a third. Now I'd be half the city of Chicago at this point. All right. Can you grow too big? The kingdom is for everyone, but the I'm talking about the, the organization. The congregation. Yeah, yeah. Um uh for my pastor, I will say yeah. Okay. And just because he's very hands-on. And that'll just be too much. And um, and for an organization that big, you gotta have a lot of people for help. Mm. And and in that situation, you gotta get the right people. Because if one bad egg, it could spoil the whole church, and it could mess everything up. And the way my past, he not just let anybody do anything. And quite frankly. If we was to get that many, I don't even think he know that many people to handle something that big of that nature. So, yeah, to me, to answer that question, even though it's not really answering it, I don't think God would allow something to get too big mm. when it comes to ministry. 
because I don't know. Like maybe it could. Like like I said, for the wrong person it could. Or it could turn like maybe it it was meant for them, but something happened where it, it detoured and now it's no longer good. But I don't know if if like if we starting from scratch and then it's like if it's meant to get that big, then it's meant to get that big. If it, I don't think it's never gonna get that big if it's not meant to be. Well said. Well said. Uh, quick break and then we'll sign off for today. Yo, what's up? It's your boy CBK33. Look, you're watching the CBMK show, the Cody Brennan Marshall show, because it is what it is. So what you waiting on? Subscribe, share, like, comment, or whatever you do. Stay tuned. CBMK Show. Yo, subscribe, YouTube, and CBMK. Steve, it has been an absolute pleasure, my man. I think this has been the most deepest conversation that we've had. Um, I think these conversations are definitely needed. People speak on everything, X, Instagram, NBA Central, NBA, uh, Shy Bulls Podcast, all that. I'm all over there. Y'all, connect with the man, legend, journalist, rising in Chicago, grand rising. And if you want to keep seeing amazing leaders that we have on the day, you know what you got to do. YouTube, CBMK, it is what it is. Underscore show on the gram, CBMK underscore global on the gram, CBMK33 on the gram, CBMK global, or CBMK global on TikTok, www.cbmkglobal.store. Until next time, guys. Thanks. Shirts on or shirts off? When I'm looking for your back, you look at it. Be at your best, the best pair, the best supplements. I got with me the best people working on the market. Superpower only at www.cb, as in burning, mkglobal.com. If you think exercise alone got me looking like this, well, think again. CVMK Global Super Thick got me right. I'm obsessed, and yeah, I won't stop talking about it because it helped me grow in all the right places. Its creatine provides a fast and reliable way to increase your power, size, and shape. And it's scientifically proven to help you reach your physical goals in a safe, controlled manner. So if you want to increase muscle size, pump, and thickness in your muscle groups, you need Super Thick.